This quarterback competition right now is going about as well as it possibly could if you're an Ole Miss Rebel fan. We'll explain how. This is the Locked On Ole Miss Podcast. You are Locked On Ole Miss. Your daily podcast on the Ole Miss Rebels. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, welcome to the Locked On Ole Miss Podcast. I am your host, Stephen Willis. Thank you for tuning in. It's Tuesday morning, which means practice number, I think, seven of spring practice is about to happen. And before we get started, thank you for making the Locked On Ole Miss Podcast your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcast, including YouTube. Anyway, the seventh practice is coming up, and this quarterback competition that we talked about for months has gone about as well as it possibly could. This is after last year's quarterback competition in the spring being an abject disaster. But this year, it is absolutely going fantastically. And that is even with Spencer Sanders kind of being load managed and injury kind of keeping him down. And because of that, the quarterback competition is in a weird place compared to last year. At this point, I would almost bet my entire salary that we will not go two weeks into the season without a quarterback being named. Um, I think the separation that is happening, I think a hierarchy is happening, and I think is really, really good to see. Now, this is the reason I say that. With Ole Miss's struggles last year in the quarterback competition, opposing fans took that opportunity to pile on. If you look down at our comments from time to time, you see people questioning why I refer to Jackson Dart as a former Gatorade High School Player of the Year. Because that was high school and that's not now. And that is a way to say that those accolades don't mean anything now, even though you can't ever take those away. That's like referring to... Carson Palmer is a former Heisman Trophy winner. It, it happens at all levels and all things. But people were using that as a way to basically point out that your quarterback's not good enough. Your quarterback isn't what you thought he would be. You're going to lose ball games because of your quarterback. Now, you see them get really defensive about this past stuff because of what Jackson Dart is doing in this spring practice making big plays, using the whole field, not turning the ball over, doing the things that we were hoping last spring we would see, now we finally are. And then, on top of everything else, the best passer potentially, the most talent potentially, is coming up right behind him. And it almost looks like he's a lock for backup quarterback this year, just like we've been telling you, heck, for three months of what we thought would happen. Now it looks like it's actually playing out that way on the field. And because of that, Jackson Dart and Walker Howard have created this gap between them and Spencer Sanders. Now, this isn't saying that Spencer Sanders can't make that gap up. This is a former Big 12 freshman of the year. This is a former Fiesta Bowl MVP, I think. Um, He's going to be able to pick things up quickly. He's already taking mental reps now. He's probably 23 years old. I mean, he's a married man. Very mature guy. So I think he will be able to, I don't know, ramp up quickly when he needs to ramp up quickly. The question becomes of whether or not that ramp up will be enough that he can overcome. Because if this continues where Jackson Dart and um, Walker Howard 
are just machines out there on the field for everybody to see, it's not going to matter what Spencer Sanders does. And you already have people speculating that Spencer Sanders isn't going to be here in the fall, which I think he would have to graduate to be able to leave. But there's, you know, with the NCA and these, this transfer rule, you can always assume that a player can transfer until he can't, essentially. You don't know what the justification will be for denial, even with the rules they have in place. Because basically all the new rules in place means they have to do the original waiver process. So Spencer Sanders says, hey, I want to go to North Texas because my grandmother is sick. Well, that's a waiver that's going to be approved. Um, He's not just going to be able to say, hey, I want to transfer from Ole Miss because of playing time. There has to be some sort of a tie to the player. So we'll have to keep an eye on that over the next few weeks or, I don't know, a few months. So we'll see exactly what happens because right now, Jackson Dart and Walker Howard are kind of walking away with this job. Now, it might not happen. I'm not going to speak in certainties because that's just suicide in this, in this business. But if you take what they've done through half a spring, phenomenal, both of them. And like I said, Walker Howard has a chance to be better than all of them. We did a show on Friday about how Ole Miss needed to party like it's 1999 to where you had Romero Miller and you had Eli Manning as the young guy. That should be the roadmap of how you develop this quarterback system. I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't think you necessarily need to name the quarterback right now. Okay? So don't, don't expect one by that. Don't even expect one by the end of spring. They're not going to name one. But... Having a starting quarterback, the caliber of Jackson Dart, just like the starting quarterback, the caliber of Romero Miller, and a backup quarterback, the caliber of Eli Manning, or the caliber of Walker Howard, who absolutely has that level of potential to him. It's interesting. I'll just leave it at that. It's interesting at the possibilities that they can do. I'm, I'm really, really fired up about it, honestly. Anyway, today's show is brought to you by Built Bar. And the Built March Madness bracket was, I'm assuming, a huge success. If you had a favorite bar or puff, you could have made it count by voting on them by going to BuiltMarchMadness.com and you could vote for your favorites. That, that was pretty cool that they did. Like, I could have voted for Double Chocolate, which I would have, you know. And you support your team, you know, your favorite bar or puff or whatever. But here's the kicker that they did. It was pretty cool. If you voted on your favorite bar or puff, you'd be entered into a drawing where 50 lucky locked-on fans would be eligible for a free box of Built Bars. That's cool. But not only that, one fan would have been eligible for a 12-month subscription to Built to have Built's best bars or puffs delivered monthly straight to your door. Listen, you've got to try Built. It's the best protein bar ever. They're so amazing, you won't even think they're good for you. You know, what makes them so good? Well, for starters, they're all high in protein, low in sugar, and they're covered in 100% real chocolate. That's right, real chocolate. So they're going to keep doing promotions like BuiltMarchMadness.com, and you be able to go there and vote for your favorite bar or puff and pick up a box while you're there. Absolutely pick up a box while you're there. And you can vote on it. You could have voted on it every day during March during the NCAA tournament. It was a great way to market their product on top of the NCAA tournament. It was a way to make March Madness relevant. 
So go to the website, built.com, ordered you a box of built bars. You will enjoy it and you will not regret it. All right. Thanks again for making Locked On Ole Miss your first listen every day. Make sure you check out our brand new podcast, Locked On College Basketball. Everything you need to know about college basketball in one place. Plus, you get to hear from big name experts, insiders, coaches, and players. It's Locked On College Basketball. It's available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast. National Championship just finished last night. It was pretty cool. One thing that happened that was pretty cool was Quinshawn Judkins was selected as a first-team Walter Camp All-American preseason. And the reason I bring that up as the local sports historian, you you may notice me drop fun facts from time to time about Ole Miss and sports in general, but the first-ever All-American team was the Walter Camp All-American team. It was back when... Yale football was winning championships back-to-back-to-back. And those All-American teams was a basis for basically marketing the sport to get to college football to where it is now. Quinshawn Judkins is a first-team running back All-American. Ole Miss has not had many running backs that have been at that level. I think people need to respect that. The best one that Ole Miss can have that in my lifetime was probably Deuce McAllister. But they've also had Joe Gunn, John Avery, um, Ben Jarvis Green-Ellis, Dexter McCluster. Those guys made a name for themselves as well. But none of them, to my knowledge, was a first-team preseason All-American by Walter Camp. This is a major, major deal. And this is another sign of what I've been telling you about the talent on this team. There's two things happening right now in spring football. One, the offense is kind of cooking. And I've been telling you, that's because talent-wise, we haven't seen this level of talent at Ole Miss. Last year was good. This year offensively is better. You have a wide receiver that's a former All-Conference USA. He's been injured a little bit, but he's on the team. Chris Marshall, which essentially talent-wise profiles to Laquan Treadwell. Will he get there? I don't know. But if you watch him on tape, that's what he looks like. You have Michael Trigg, who looks like his head screwed on straight and has as much talent as anybody playing the tight end position in the SEC. And Caden Priestcorn, who is an all-AAC type tight end. Quinshawn Judkins in the backfield. You have Ulysses Bentley IV, who is a former all-AAC running back. You know, Kedra Criscano, the Polynesian Bowl. There's talent all over the place. And at quarterback, you know, you have Walker Howard, you have Jackson Dart, you have plenty of reasons to be excited. And now at running back, you have a first-team preseason Walter Camp All-American. Now, with all the talent on that side of the ball, that probably explains why the team that is installing a brand-new defense, completely different than what they were running, is having trouble with this offense. I think that teams might have trouble with this offense at full strength, but if you're not at full strength, This offense is going to be a bear. There's athletes absolutely everywhere, and they have the ability to hurt you. But we will see. The first team, Walter Camp, preseason All-America team, Quinshawn Judkins. Congratulations to Quinshawn. That's that's just a major, major deal for Quinshawn. It just really is. I'm looking forward to see what he can do in the second year. My prediction, he's not going to run for 1,500 yards. I'm expecting him to run for 
1100, 1200, and potentially be more effective, mainly because the RPO game is going to dictate his carries, his yardage from time to time, and use of the middle of the field and the weapons that we have on the outside. Um, Jackson Dart has a chance to make teams hurt. By the way, Jackson Dart is basically going through the Matt, Cor- Matt Corral body makeover school. Fantastic. You know, and he, he's dropped a ton of weight. He looks terrific as a player, and um, it's going to help him out during the football season as well. So we'll see exactly what happens there. All right. When we come back, what you talking about, Willis? And we're going to talk about the current media landscape. And this isn't a local thing. This is more of a 30,000-foot view of the media landscape as a whole. But that'll be on the What You Talking About Willis. So stick around. All right, thanks for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast, including YouTube. Do us a favor, subscribe to the YouTube channel, hit the bell for notifications, comment down below, and upvote the video itself. Also, join our subtext community. We don't break news a lot on this channel as we are commentary and perspectives mostly, but whenever we get something, that's where we're going to share it to. So it might be pretty good, and if nothing else, you can look at it like a tip for all this content you're receiving. So we'd appreciate it very much. All right. In this week's segment of What You're Talking About, Willis, we are talking about the changing media landscape surrounding college athletics. And this is coming on the heels of Disney about to lay off a ton of people. ESPN, the worldwide leader, the one network that you thought would be absolutely safe and immune to all of this, they're going to drop off considerably. And it's not because of really anything happening as a whole. It's because of cord cutting becoming prominent, becoming prevalent. And what once was a major rights thing, all of a sudden you're getting less and less money for it. So what was once $50 million coming in might now be $10 million coming in. And I know that sounds like a ton of money, but in the grand scheme of things, that means you can do less stuff. And that means rights are going to have to come down as well. That's one of the reasons I think that the college football rights are at their apex at the moment. And they're only going to go down from here. Now, when you look at the landscape outside of ESPN, just to prove it's not an anomaly, Bally Sports, which is owned by like Diamond Sports Group that does the regional sports networks, they've applied for bankruptcy. They've made their payments this year, but they think that MLB is going to basically reacquire the rights and put that out through their MLB.tv package. But the regional networks are in trouble. Newspapers, they've been dead essentially for 20 years. They're still around. They still do some stuff, but they not, they're not what they were, even though they kind of get treated like they were. They're not what they were. So that is kind of what the traditional media, the position we are at right now. Now, around 2000, team sites started popping up from places like you know, Yahoo, 24-7, now on three. ESPN tried to do team sites, but it didn't last. So they decided to put college fandom behind a paywall, which was incredibly smart. It was a way to make money. It was kind of a way that ESPN has made on off of those rights fees. 
it's a way for them to do it at a micro level. I mean, it's honestly pretty smart. Shannon Terry deserves a ton of credit. And the reason I say that is Shannon Terry started Rivals. He started 24-7, and now he started on three. There's one person resp- responsible for the team sites industry in college athletics. But here's the issue that they're going to run into shortly. And I'm going to tell you why I'm telling you this in just a second. NIL has now become a prevalent thing to where they are directly competing with the ability to be successful for your team. Whichever team you're proud of, would you rather join a message board for $10 a month or would you take that $10 a month and send to an NIL site and use their message board? That becomes the legit question. And eventually they're going to compete with each other and take money and take money and take money until eventually those team sites are going to struggle. So that leaves us with a very severely fragmented media, period. It's, it's, there's no real way around that. And two sites like the Rebel Walk, like the Grove Report, completely free media. They're not going anywhere. They are con- going to continue to be um, fantastic avenues for c- following your sport. The Locked On Network that you see right here, completely free, perfect avenue for following your sport. So if you wanted to take that money that you were investing in a team team site and send it to the NIL market and do that, you would still be able to follow your team. That's the reason I think this model is the future of media around the college athletic sphere. It is really hard to get your head around it, but it's absolutely true. We have become so fragmented to where no matter what you're interested in, you can go and find that little rabbit hole on YouTube and go there and spend hours watching nothing but videos about, I don't know, 1923 or 1883 or the Yellowstone universe versus a home. Whatever you're interested in that day, you can do that. And you could that was something that was started in the entertainment world, but it didn't really affect the sports world. Now this group to where money is kind of drying up at the national level. Money is going to get taken away from teams at a on team sites at a local level and be contributed to the NIL fund. You still need a way to find out what's going on with your local team. It's not even about insiders anymore. I mean, heck, I'm in central Florida. I'm not an insider. I'll never be an insider. I don't want to be an insider. I didn't do this to get famous to people I will never see in my entire life. I did this because it needed to get done, honestly. And there was a dearth of, I don't know, there was a void. I don't know the right word. But basically, it became an echo chamber around Ole Miss football. So you started notice when when somebody was wrong, all of a sudden 17 people were wrong, which means they were getting their information from one source. There wasn't a split opinion of what was going on. It was basically one message coming out. I'm not saying that Ole Miss was messaging it. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that, like I talked with John yesterday, whenever you have a small group of people covering Ole Miss athletics, they talk to each other. They influence each other's opinion. So if your running back room might be problematic and you told somebody your running back room might be problematic – it's not going to be long where all three, because you know, that's really what it was at one time, sources say the running back room is problematic. 
But is the running back room problematic or just one opinion? Say it was. That is the reason we're doing this. I wanted as many perspectives as possible. You know, scrimmage, we had Dalen Flowers and John Gillespie talk about exactly what they saw, completely separate of each other and in no way available to influence each other's opinion. I think that's the right way to get to the right answer. Still read all of their stuff. That's, I mean, that's fine. You need as many perspectives as possible. So I just went down a rabbit hole a little bit there, but it is what it is. With the national media landscape being what it is, and the next TV contract being due that's not going to be, not going to be as much as it is right now, With streaming services about to get weird, understand that as well. They're, they're about to get weird. With newspapers being completely irrelevant, with team sites kind of being at a point where they can't raise prices because they will just immediately lose customers and they might start draining customers to begin with because of NIL. The question becomes, how do you find the information that you enjoy finding? Yeah, that's, that's what it becomes. How do you find information that you used to have fun finding? And that's where the Locked On Network comes in. All the pro teams and college teams, you can check them out on, at LockedOnPodcast.com. You know, the Grove Report, content partnership with those guys. They do a fantastic job. John comes on my show. I release the podcast on their website every day. Um, all of that for free as well. Uh, the Rebel Walk, they do a fantastic job as well. I know Evie. I know um, a lot of the people that are over there. And this is the future. Now, what I would recommend doing, even if you are a ride-or-die subscriber to one of the sites, which, again, I have no problem with. I don't view anybody as competition, period. So do whatever you want to do. But I would recommend that you start at least following one of these free sites as well. Because that'll make what I think is going to happen in the next five years or so a little bit easier to take. The content is going to be there. You're going to be able to easily transition to following the sports the way you want to follow them. Because I genuinely think that we are about to see the college athletics bur bubble burst. It's too much money and it's not showing up in other sectors of the um, broadcasting economy. And I get that live sports makes money, but it only makes so much. And like Ole Miss football was back 20 years ago to where football was paying all the bills for all the other sports, Basically, that just means that you're kind of overextended. So we'll see exactly what these industries like Disney, ESPN, Fox, Bally Sports, those guys, how they come out of this. Because I do think in the next couple of years, we are going to genuinely see what happens. Also, I think this is dictating expansion. But if the money is going to dry up, that's the reason it was such a rush to get this done. I think the ACC might be a little bit safe because I think the money is going to start to dry up. 
and you're going to kind of see everybody settle into where they are. And the SEC will be 16 teams. The Big Ten will be, what, 16 teams as well. They kind of got in before the gun. But I think the Big 12, the Pac-12, the ACC, all of them will be safe because the money is just about to dry up. And what you can see is the the Pac-12 rights, whenever they were trying to do this, that kind of accentuates what's going on. People like to make fun of what happened to the Pac-12 as far as their rights agreement um, and say it's because they lost USC and UCLA. That's not entirely the case. There's still some pretty big markets in that conference, and nobody gave them near what was expected of a Power Five conference. I think that money's about to dry up. I think that bubble's about to burst. I think coaches' salaries are about to come down. I think more money is start to get invested by, into NIL groups once they start competing with schools about them. And college football is going to continue to change over the next 10 years until they hit that equilibrium. They're trying to put the toothpaste back in the tube. They're, they're trying to do that. But you can't do that. And I know I've gotten on my soapbox, but media is about to completely change in college athletics. And it's simply because the money that used to be a part of it is no longer there. We're such a fragmented society, and I don't mean that politically. I mean, it's just... For instance, back in the day, back in 1955, when you had CBS, ABC, and NBC, the pie was fragmented, and everybody got 33% that they could pull from. Now you're probably lucky to have 1% of that pie. A half a percent of that pie. You're just talk about maximizing margin, margins. It's all relative. What is a big audience now, what they will have a parade with now, if it was 1955, there would be people jumping off buildings because it was so low rated and they were expecting so much more. It's all changing. Everything's going to be different. And a lot of it happens to be this medium. YouTube is going to be a big medium moving forward for sports. Independent podcasters, video production people. It's going to be a major, major thing. People can talk about fear of change and whatever they want to do, and they can laugh at me over and over about this, but this is, this is a hill I will die on. There's too many things happening right now for this not to be the case. It just kind of is what it is. Anyway, that was my soapbox, kind of. Thanks again for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. Make sure you check out our brand new podcast, Locked On College Basketball. It has everything you need to know about college basketball in one place. Plus, you can hear from big-name experts, insiders, coaches, and players. Locked On College Basketball is available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast. Anyway, thank you for watching. I get to go pick my wife up from the airport this afternoon. That's going to be pretty fantastic. She's coming back into town. I missed her dearly. Um, so I'm glad she is coming home finally. And my mother's coming in this weekend. So we've got a bunch of stuff happening over the next few days. So kind of bear with us a little bit. Um we got Pratt Rogers going to be on the show tonight or tomorrow, and we'll see as this weekend go. This week goes along uh, with who we bring in because you know we're get, we got to do our perspectives right. 
That's, that's what we're all about. Anyway, till then, we'll see you tomorrow. Take care.